Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Matthew, chapter 26. I'm going to be reading from this section of Scripture. I'm going to start reading at verse 36, and I'm going to go all the way to verse 50. Matthew, chapter 26, starting at verse 36 through verse 50. Let's pray for the reading of the Word now and also for the offerings as we begin a brand new month. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word here tonight, Lord, anoint it, Father, and bless it. And Lord God, allow us to just meditate on, Lord God, what this day represents on our yearly calendar. There are certain days of the year that you, Lord God, um, expect for us to honor you and to remember you and to specifically, Lord God, point out certain things that happen. And this is one of those days, Lord, where we take time on this Good Friday to remember the cross, to remember your love for us by willing to go to that cross. And we thank you for it. Bless it now and bless the offerings that we're about to receive, Lord God, through this night and through uh, other resources, Lord God. Bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let me read this section of Scripture. It says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. Now, uh, this past Sunday was Palm Sunday where we celebrated the triumphal entry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he was going into Jerusalem for the final week of his life. And during this past week, uh, over 2,000 years ago, the week of the Passover, Jesus, during this week, Jesus has cursed the fig tree. He has cleansed the temple. He had been questioned by the priest. Jesus has a Passover meal with his disciples on Thursday, which brings us to this day in time, Friday, which is Good Friday, the day our Lord and Savior was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death. 
Now, each year, we have to understand that millions of people all over the world celebrate this day because without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we would all be bound and destined for eternal hell fire because we would all still be guilty of sin. Did everyone hear what I just said? If it wasn't for this day over 2,000 years ago, you and I would still be in our sin, and you and I, because of that sin, would be headed for hell fire, eternally separated from God, who is our creator and who has been so good to us. Listen, even before I became a Christian, God was still good to me. Thank you, Jesus, for still being good to me, even though I didn't deserve it, even though I was lost, even though I was wicked, even though I was ignorant, even though I was in darkness. Thank you, God, for having mercy on me, even when I was a sinner and lost. And how much more has he been good to you and me since we've come to him? We recognize now His goodness. We acknowledge His goodness. We praise Him for His goodness. We adore Him for His goodness. We thank Him daily for His goodness because we recognize that God is involved with everything in our lives. Can you say amen, church? Before we were ignorant. We were naive. We were lost. We, we didn't have any clear understanding. We were like blind men. But God set us free. And Jesus... And it's because of Jesus that we're able to experience that here today. So, on Friday, Good Friday, this is the day that our Lord and Savior was tried and convicted and sentenced to death. But because of this event, our relationship with the Father in heaven can be restored. It can be restored because Jesus Christ willingly paid the price for our sin on the cross. That's why this cross is so critical. It is so important. And because of Christ's love for us and sacrifice for us on the cross, all of humanity can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Salvation is offered to all mankind because of the cross. Can you say hallelujah? Let's celebrate that here tonight, church. All the world can be saved if they, if they choose to. That's a glorious thing, church. Now, as I mentioned before, Jesus has a Passover meal with his disciples on Thursday night. And then afterwards, Jesus and his disciples go to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is a scripture that we just read a little while ago. In verse 49 of the section of scripture that we just read, it says that on the same night, on that Thursday night, Jesus is betrayed by Judas Iscariot with a kiss. So listen, if any of you have ever been stabbed in the back, if any of you have ever been betrayed, you understand how terrible and awful it feels, okay? If, so, if any of you have ever been blindsided by somebody trying to mess you up, this is exactly what Jesus went through. He was betrayed with a kiss. On that same night, Thursday night, Jesus was arrested. He, and if we keep uh, reading the rest of Matthew chapter 26 and read all of Matthew 27, we would follow in detail all the, that Jesus went through on his way to the cross. And then we would read in detail all that he went through at the cross or once he was on the cross. 
Let me just briefly go through it. Let me just briefly break it down. There's so much information, so much that happened. It would take us all night, but I just want to go briefly because it is Good Friday to remind us of what Jesus went through for us. In Matthew 26, 49, we already mentioned that Jesus was betrayed, backstabbed by his, one of his own disciples, one of his own crew. Judas Iscariot, and how Jesus was betrayed with a kiss. In Matthew 26, 56, the Bible tells us that Jesus was deserted by his disciples, and again, he found himself alone. In Matthew 26, 59, the Bible tells us that Jesus suffered injustice and that he was falsely accused of committing a crime whose, whose sentence was death. In Matthew 26, verses 67 and 68, the Bible tells us that they spat at his face. They punched him. They slapped him. They mocked him. They disrespected him. In Matthew 26, verse 74, the Bible tells us that Peter denies him and even curses. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 5, the Bible tells us that Judas hangs himself. In Matthew 27, verse 26, the Bible tells us that even though Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent, Pilate cowardly gives into the pressure of the people and chooses to release a known murderer by the name of Barabbas instead of releasing Jesus Christ who is completely innocent. That's why God always warns us time and time and time again. Do not fear man, fear God. Do not fear man and what he can do, fear God because not only can God mess us up in this life, but he can send us straight to hell. We need to fear the Lord. Can you say amen, church? Unfortunately, Pilate did not. He gave in to the pressure of the people. Then to make matters worse, Pilate orders Jesus to be severely whipped and sentences him to death by crucifixion. Instead of just telling you what comes next, I wanted to read it to you to remind all of us of the terrible beating that Jesus took for us. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 26 through 31, it says this. Then he, Pilate, released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged or whipped and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. This is the second time now that they're spitting on him. And took the staff, that stick that he had on his, in his hand, and struck him on the head again and again. So they were beating him across his head with that stick. I mean, I know that we see police officers on television and the news. They get their sticks and they start beating people up. It's a terrible thing. And this is what Jesus Christ went through. Verse 31. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. After this, the Bible tells us that Jesus carried his cross. And when he reached Golgotha, Jesus was nailed to the cross and then hung on the cross. Now, this week I heard a, a Christian minister on, on radio uh, describing how terrible, how terrible the pain was that Jesus was going through on that cross. I can't remember the minister's name. I forget. I'm so sorry. But uh, I and and when he when he mentioned this, I never thought about this. But he said this. Okay. 
Uh, we know that the whip that was used by the Romans at that time in history was called a cat of nine tails, which was nine strips of leather. And at the end of those nine strips of leather was attached bone and metal. Okay? Now, the Romans did this purposely. They purposely tortured those who in any way, shape, or form went against or came against or rebelled against the Roman government to instill fear over the people, to make sure that they understood the clear message. If anyone defies the Roman government, this is what's going to happen to you. So it instilled fear and terror into the people that the Romans conquered. And so that's why they were so severe in their punishment of those who were criminals or rebels against the Roman government. And so, sadly, we know that Jesus' physical body was ripped horribly because when they, would, they, they whipped him 39 times with that thing, and so they shredded his back and probably his front, but mainly his back, okay? As a matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 52, and most of you that are Christians that have been in church for any length of time, you already know this. But in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14, it says this, Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured, he was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form was marred beyond human likeness. Putting it in simple words, he was so tore up, that he did not even look like a man or a human being anymore. All these pictures, I, I probably say this every year, but all these pictures that we see of Jesus hanging on the cross and a few drops of blood on his hands and a few spots of blood on his feet and on his side, it was, I mean, it, none of the pictures that I have ever seen, even the movie The Passion of the Christ, does not come close to how terrible Jesus looked after he was tore up by the Roman soldiers, okay? Now, the reason I share all that is because, now, this is what the preacher said on, on the radio that really caught my attention that I wanted to share with you here today. It says, try to imagine your back being shredded and tender and painful to the touch. He was already tore up in his back, right? And he was already tender and from, from the wounds. I mean, you just touch that back, and, and it's horrible. If any of you have ever seen any uh, pirate movies or, or old movies where uh, the captains would whip the people, uh, and, and they would have to recover for a week or two from the whippings that they would take. And just try to imagine Jesus is hanging on the cross. His back is tore up, very tender to the touch. He is suspended on the cross with his hands and feet nailed to the cross. Now, in order for him to breathe... He has to force himself to put pressure on his two feet to push himself up. And when he pushes himself up, he has to push his back against the wood of the cross. And his back is already tore up. Listen. See this band-aid right here? I got, you know how when you're working with, what do you call that? When a little piece of wood goes in there, what do you call that? A splinter. I got a splinter. Dude, it was killing me. A little splinter. And I had, to, you know how you have to dig those splinters? Man, it was torture. 
digging. I got to get a needle, and I had to cut into the skin, and I had to gore into the skin, and I had to get that because that splinter was deep into my finger here. And man, while I was doing it, it was killing me, church. Don't you feel sorry for me? And then after I got it out, because I had to dig so deep, it was all bloody. And so I put some Neosporum on there, and then I put this Band-Aid on there, and even right now, it's still sore, and it's hurting me even more because I'm talking about it right now. Imagine Jesus. His back is tore up. And he has to force himself to put his back against the wall of that cross, the wood of that cross, to push himself up on that cross, grinding his back. And he has to do that over and over and over again. Just to breathe until he finally... And when this preacher said that, I never thought about that. I never thought about the agony that he must have felt and experienced while he was on that cross, pushing himself up against that cross along his back that was already shredded just to stay alive as long as he could. You guys getting this picture? Can you say amen? And so... Then, of course, the Bible records his last words before he actually did die. In John chapter 19, verse 30, it says, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. How many of you are glad for those words? It is finished. You know what that means, church? It means that you and I don't have to do anything but believe. That's all we have to do. Salvation is free, paid for, 100% on the cross. Everything. It is finished. Don't add anything. Don't take anything away. It's done. Jesus did a complete work for you and for me on the cross. It's done. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit or died. Now, I'd like for us to go back to when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane because there's so much to talk about, but I'm just going to take this section of Scripture for tonight and talk about this. I want to read it again. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Listen to what it says here. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Then he came back. He again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? This is what I say every Sunday morning by the time I finish preaching. Are you still sleeping and resting out there? Listen to what it says here. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayal. 
Now, church, how many times did Jesus pray and ask for this cup of suffering to be removed? How many times, church? Three times. How do we know this? Matthew chapter 26, verse 44 says this. So he, Jesus, left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. So we know that he prayed three separate times for this cup of suffering to be removed, this, this cup of pain and suffering, sep- the, the, the thought of being separated from the Father, everything that is associated with sin that we feel inside. I don't know about you, but when I mess up, when I blow it, it feels terrible inside. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, and I, and I know that I've blown it, and I know that I've messed up, and I know that I'm wrong, and I know that i got to get it right, and I know that i got to repent, and I know that i got to say I'm sorry, whether it's to God or to people or to whatever I have to do, and I know... And, 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 and Jesus was now beginning to experience that in his, in his life for the first time. He was asking also for there to be another way, if there was another way to accomplish this task, a way other than the cross, other than this torture. But there was no other way but God's way, according to God's will. And Jesus, although he prayed to the Father three times, he was denied those three times. His prayer was unanswered or yes it was answered but not the way he wanted it to be it was answered the way his father wanted it to be answered now for those of you that were with us on wednesday night we spoke about someone else that prayed to god to take his pain away three times can anyone tell me who was that person that also prayed three times the apostle paul The Apostle Paul, we studied that. We've been looking at that on Wednesday nights. The Apostle Paul also prayed three times. Lord God, let me read the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. It says this. Or because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. I'm over here crying over this splinter that I got on my finger. But the Apostle Paul is referring to a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And I also think about the crown of thorns that Jesus had stuck on his head. Those thorns sticking into his head. Verse 8. Three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Church, sometimes we just have to bite the bullet and we have to take whatever it is that we're going through in the name of Jesus. We just have to take it. I know it doesn't sound pretty. I know it doesn't sound encouraging. I know it doesn't sound very positive. But sometimes in life, when we get dealt a very, very difficult and painful hand, we just have to grind it out and take it and trust God. And yes, it's okay to pray. And yes, it's okay to go to the altar. And yes, it's okay to keep crying out to God and keep believing. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But man, if God chooses not to answer it, we got to still stay faithful to our God. 
And remember, the Apostle Paul, following the example of Jesus Christ our Lord, did not allow this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan, to stop him or to discourage him or to prevent him or to, to give him an excuse or to give him some kind of justification for not fulfilling the will of God for his life. He still kept pursuing the will of God for his life. He said, if following Jesus means having to suffer for him and suffer like him, then so be it. Listen, I know. I'm looking out here. And I know that some of you are suffering a lot right now. I, I mean, I'm looking at, like, I know your story. And I know the hurt. I know the pain. I know the discouragement. I know the frustration. I know the times that sometimes you even get angry. And why is this happening? I don't understand. It's not fair. It doesn't, I, believe me, I, I hear it. I understand it. I, I've experienced it myself. I feel for you. I'm sure that when you see me going through stuff, you feel for me. But we've got to trust God and say, God, you promised that you would never allow me to go through anything that I would not be able to handle it. Handle. In my own mind, I feel like I can't handle this, but I'm going to trust you, God. Jesus Christ knew and understood that this was the only way that mankind could be redeemed. This was the only way. There was no other way. And today, there is no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. How many of you can say amen to that? There is no other way because Jesus paid the way for you and I. We face trials in our lives. We face pain and suffering, guilt from unconfessed sin, perhaps illness or whatever is going on in our lives. We feel sometimes the tremendous sorrow and trouble that Jesus did. We have adversaries in our life for whatever reason. I don't know why it is, but all of us have haters in our life, people that want to do us wrong, people that want to see us go down, people that want to hurt us, people that want to see us hurting, sometimes circumstances that we don't understand, we have to face them, sometimes health issues, sometimes we have to deal with, again, betrayal and backstabbing, and we pray and we pray to our Father to take it all away. We pray and pray that our will will be done, perhaps forgetting that the Lord's ways are way above our ways. Whatever is happening, for whatever reason that it's happening, church, God is fulfilling His purposes and His will in our lives. And somehow, some way, I don't know how it's going to happen, but God will be glorified in it somehow, some way. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 38. Listen to what it says here. Then Jesus went with His disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter. Now listen to this. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. This is Jesus Christ. This is our Lord. This is God. This is our Savior. This is the one that did all those miracles. This is the one who, who was born of the, of the Virgin Mary. He was supernatural. He was God. And the Bible says here, 
that he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now, I need to ask you guys this question. Have any of you ever experienced being so terrified or scared or concerned that you felt sorrowful and troubled and disturbed in your heart? Maybe you were having trouble paying a bill. Maybe you didn't know how you are going to buy the groceries. Maybe you didn't know how you were going to pay that insurance. Maybe you didn't know how you were going to get a job. I mean, something, you were facing some kind of horrible, terrible crisis situation, and you didn't know how you were going to get out of it. This is what Jesus was, he was, he, he was experiencing sorrow, and he was troubled. Then he said to them, he said to his friends, to his disciples, to Peter and the sons of Zebedee, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I mean, I, I feel like I'm dying, you guys. Stay here and keep watch with me. So let's go through this timeline. He, it's Thursday. He has his Passover meal. He has the Last Supper. It's Thursday night. Now he's in Gethsemane. Jesus is full of sorrow. He's troubled because he is now beginning to suffer for our sin. Jesus, now listen to this. Listen to this. Jesus never felt the pain of sin before. And now God is pouring out his wrath on Jesus. And he's experiencing the pain of sin. Think about the drug addict that's out there. Think about the homeless person that's out there, the mentally ill person that's out there, that person that's out there with absolute, that feels hopeless and helpless and sorrowful and totally, I mean, the full weight of the horror of sin that he's never felt before and he's feeling it now and he's expressing it to his disciples. Are you guys getting this picture? He never felt the anguish of separation from the Father that people are going to feel and experience if they die without Jesus. They're going to go to hell, church. And that's going to be a terrible thing. He's experiencing that. And he's not wanting to be alone because of his anguish. He asked Peter and James and John, who are the two sons of Zebedee, to stay with him. He felt so alone. He needed to surround himself with friends and they fall asleep. <laughs> Try to imagine. You're coming to me. Pastor Jerry, Pastor Jerry, Pastor Jerry. I'm so hurt. I'm so discouraged. I'm so fr- I mean, I feel like I'm going to die. I'm so depressed. I don't know what I'm going to do. And you're crying and you're weeping and you're telling me your problems. And then I'll, and, and you're all into it and all this drama and all of a sudden you're <laughs> Pastor Jerry fell asleep. Here I am telling Pastor Jerry all my problems and I'm falling apart. My whole world is falling apart. And Pastor Jerry's snoring away. Pastor Jerry, Pastor Jerry, you, you got to listen to me. You got to listen to me. I need help. I don't know what to do. And, and so, okay, okay, okay. And, and it happens three times. Listen. When... Are we going to learn that the only one that you can go to that will never let you down and never fall asleep on you is Jesus? He's the only one that you can go to, church. 
Yes, you can go to your pastor. Yes, you can go to your mom. Yes, you can go to your dad. Yes, you can go to your friend. Yes, you can even go to your own dog. But no one's going to care except for Jesus. And nobody's going to be able to help you except for Jesus. We got to get that into our system, church. Jesus says, pray with me. Right now, he's saying, pray with me. I'm not going to go to sleep on you. I'm not going to let you down. You pray with me. I'll stay up all night with you. Helping you with your burdens and your sorrow and this weight and this madness and this chaos and this confusion. I will stay up all night with you and I will not go to sleep on you. Because I am more faithful than your best friend. I am more faithful than your mother or your father. The Bible even says, your mother or your father, they may even turn their backs on you, but God will never turn his back on you. For the first time, Jesus felt this pain and this anguish of the sin, because remember, he was pure, he was perfect, he was righteous, he had no sin, and he's feeling now the sorrow of this sin, the weight of this sin, the weight of the wrath of God because of sin, the separation of the Father because of sin, and he says, my soul is overwhelmed. I mean, I can't, how can people take this? How can people deal with this? How can people live without God in their lives? Stay with me and keep watch. Stay awake with me. Jesus walked a little further. He fell on his face, and he prayed to the Father in heaven, take this away if there's any other way, but not my will, but your will be done. The disciples were sleeping. And then he says, could you not even stay awake for me with, for one hour? Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Take this away if there's any other way, but not, if not, my, let my, not my will, but your will be done. They were asleep again. And it, it happens a third time. Now, let me say this to you, church. Jesus is experiencing things that he had never experienced before. The weight of sin. How many of you remember Adam and Eve? Okay? Adam and Eve is not a fairy tale. It's a real Bible story and event that took place on this earth at the beginning of time. And remember after Adam and Eve sinned. Because remember when God first created the world and then Adam and Eve. And he put Adam and Eve in a perfect world, right? And they were, they were pure. There was, there was no sin. Remember, no sin. Everything was pure. Everything was righteous. Everything was in order. Everything was good. God said, it's good. And then he finished and he said, it's very good. Right? Okay? The only thing that he didn't say was good was that man should be alone. But then once he created Eve, then it was good again. It was balanced again. But then Adam and Eve sinned. Now remember, they had never experienced or felt sin before. Okay? When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. This is Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. Let me read it again. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now remember, God had told them, don't eat this fruit. Because if you eat of it, you're going to die. How many of you remember that? You guys understand that, right? But she saw it. She went for it. She ate it. She gave some to her husband. And then he ate. So now they've messed up. They have sinned. Okay? Then the eyes of both of them were open. 
and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So now they're feeling the separation from God. They're hiding from each other, and they're hiding from God. They're experiencing all this stuff. Then the man and his wife heard the sound. Verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. He was afraid. He was never afraid before, but now he's experiencing fear. Are you guys getting this? They're experiencing things that they've never experienced before. This is all brand new. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Verse 11, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Now, let me ask you this. Let me see, let me see, let me see. Is there a lady here that would volunteer? Let me see, let me see, let me see. I'm going to choose you, okay, Nina, since you're so close to the front. All right? Now, Nina, here's your husband, Adam. You're Eve, and here's your husband, Adam. And you guys... Before this sin, before this disobedience, you guys have this beautiful husband-wife relationship. It's beautiful. You guys trust each other. You guys love each other. You guys adore each other. You guys are transparent. There's no secrets. Everything is pure. Everything is good. There's no, like, um, uh, agendas. There's no uh, uh, personal, uh, um, what do you call that, selfishness, okay? You're one. You and your husband are one, okay? Now, Nina. As a woman, and here's your man that you adore, that you are one with, that you love. And you hear him say to God, the woman that you gave me, God, she gave me some of the fruit, and I ate it. Now, as a woman, I want you to tell me, when you hear your husband saying to God, the woman that you gave me gave me that fruit, and I ate it. I want you to tell me what you're feeling when you hear this man that you love, that you adore, that you trust, that you're connected to, that you're one with. And he lays this blow on you, and he says, the woman that you gave me, she gave me some of the fruit, and I ate it. Tell me some of the feelings that you're feeling, Nina, as a woman. What's that? No, he's not lying. He's telling the truth. Oh, no, 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 girl. No, he's not lying. He is telling the truth. He is telling the truth. For those of you online, she said that he's lying. He's not lying. Adam was not lying. The woman that God did give him, she did give him some of the fruit, and she did eat it. Okay? So that was not a lie. It's the truth. I want to know how it made you feel. Betrayed. What, other, what else? Angry. Nina, as Eve, have you ever felt betrayal before? No. Have you ever felt anger before? No. What else are you going to feel, Nina, as a woman, hearing this man that you adore, saying, the woman that you gave me, gave me some of the fruit, and I ate it. What else are you going to feel? Sad. Hurt, sorrow, 
feeling bad, murder, I'm going to kill this guy. Listen. Every single negative emotion in the human vocabulary and psyche was birthed at that moment. It was birthed at that moment. Why? Because Eve is a mother of life. And she was giving birth to all of these negative emotions that haunt us to this day. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? The pain of sin. The weight of sin. And now Jesus was experiencing that for the first time. And he was undoing all the damage that was done in the garden. Jesus was undoing all of that damage and restoring us to right relationship with God. So that now we can have peace with God. How many of you are glad for what Jesus did on this Good Friday for all of humanity so that you and I could be free? Church, this is a very, very important day in church history where Jesus willingly chose to go to that cross, but before he did, he willingly chose to feel and to experience and to take upon himself the weight of the sin of all mankind that, that he had never experienced before in the same way that Eve never experienced that. He had never experienced that, but now he was taking it for you and for me. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we conclude this time here together, Lord, we pray, Lord God, that you would bless your people as we remember that beautiful sacrifice on the cross for us, that beautiful life that you gave for us, and how you restored right relationship with us to the Father. We say thank you for that. If you're listening to me right now and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die tonight or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. I want to give you that opportunity right now to ask Jesus to forgive you of all your sins. Don't carry the weight of your own sin. Don't try to handle your life on your own. You can't do it. It's going to take you right to hell. And hell is for eternity. And it's real. And it's, ter it's a terrible place. As a matter of fact, Jesus talks more about hell than he talks about heaven in the Bible. That's how terrible hell is. And he came and he went through everything that he went through. And he went to that cross so that you would not have to go to hell. And he's giving you an opportunity right now to be saved. Say this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and I ask you, to forgive me of all my sins. I willingly open the door to my heart. I ask you, Jesus, to come in. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, for those of you that are wanting to hang out for a little while,
It's already late. I've taken way too long here tonight. We got carried, a little carried away with the song service. I'm sorry, but I just, the song service was beautiful, and we were worshiping God, and it was kind of, it, it was awesome. And I know that we've gone way longer than we usually do, but if you would like to hang out and uh, just experience the same thing that the apostles experienced when they were with Jesus. Remember, they were, they were eating the Passover meal. They had just finished dinner, eating the roasted lamb and all the different things that come with that. And now Jesus was having the first communion service with them. And if you want to join us for communion, we're going to do that right now, okay? If you need to leave, please don't be embarrassed. Don't feel awkward or weird. You just feel free to leave. That's fine. For those of you that are online, I want to apologize to you because I thought about doing this last night, last minute, and I didn't warn you ahead of time so that you weren't able to prepare. So I apologize to you guys that are watching online that do not have the elements available. But let's go ahead and uh, we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And then those of you that want to stick around and receive communion here tonight, we're going to do that here this evening, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says this. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Listen to this. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. On that same night that he was betrayed by who? Judas Iscariot. We just read it a little while ago. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or have died. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. So listen. Jesus was willing to do so much for us. And now, all he asks is that we take time right now to examine ourselves. To put ourselves in check. So if you're here tonight, let's take this time to examine ourselves, to go to God and say, Hey, God, put me in check right now. If there's anything going on that's not right, I want to humble myself before you, and I want to get it right. If I'm messing around, doing things, participating in things, treating people in the wrong, whatever it is, I mean, I don't, have, I don't want to go through all kinds of categories. I want to let the Holy Spirit talk to you right now. Let's take this moment of silence. Let's remember that Jesus went to the cross so that we would have the right and the privilege to come to this table. And so let's take it seriously. Let's pray.